This is Jess Mahler with a Storyary Podcast, formerly A Griffin's Tale. Today we are continuing Bound by His Oath, an aromantic lost colony sci-fi story that takes many of the tropes of historical fantasy and fucks with them. Here is part two. Raymond moved among his men. His hands were bound before him, and they'd taken his weapons, but otherwise let him be. None had even asked for his parole, his pledge that neither he nor his men would seek to escape until Lady Miltreth offered him terms of surrender. Those of his men who could walk had been gathered here at the edge of the forest, guarded by a handful of warriors. The remaining English moved carefully across the rocks, gathering dead and wounded alike. More than one of them wore old bandages, and one, a woman of all unnatural things, wore a splint. It hadn't stopped her, weasel quick, spearing the armsmen guarding Raymond's left mere moments into the battle. He spoke briefly to each of the men he passed. Several wore rough field dressings, but most still bled from wounds not dangerous enough to need immediate tending. He found two of his knights, John and Damien, near a tree trunk, as far from the rocks as they could get. "'Have you seen Harrowild?' John shook his head, but Damien said, "'He took an arrow and went down. He's out there somewhere, one way or another.' Raymond looked over the rocky slope, but saw no sign of his old friend. "'I will offer our parole. See if you can get the men organized. The faster we tend the wounded, the better.' "'Eh.' He left them to it and headed for the nearest of the guards. "'I am Sir Raymond Swithin, leader of these men. I wish to offer our parole.' The guard looked him up and down, then said, "'Follow me.' The guard led him to where an older warrior with a bandage wrapped around his head was directing the clean-up of the battle. "'This one says he wants to give parole,' the guard told him, then spat at Raymond's feet. The insult was unexpected, but Raymond knew better than to respond. Instead, he offered a minimal bow to the warrior and said, "'I am Sir Raymond Swithin. I offer our parole so we can help tend the wounded.' We won't seek to escape and will obey your orders until I am able to discuss terms with Lady Miltreth. The man didn't even glance at Raymond, just growled. And I suppose you want your weapons back. Raymond stared. What game did the man think he was playing? Goodman, I have men there that may be dying, and so do you. The man actually looked at him this time. He didn't just look. He examined Raymond from head to toe, dark eyes missing nothing, then stared into Raymond's eyes as if trying to examine his soul the same way. I think you actually mean that. He held up a hand and Raymond bit back a sharp retort. More than once now, we've had to deal with bastards who thought parole given to us who serve a woman meant nothing. You're right, Sir Raymond, we both have wounded that need tending. But I can't risk losing more warriors if you prove false. Raymond nodded, mostly to buy time. If the man spoke truth, and Raymond had no reason to doubt him, then he would be a fool to accept their parole. But he seemed to believe Raymond, and hadn't simply sent him back. 
Let my men aid you, and I will remain here as surety. And under the old warrior's blade. The warrior was silent a moment. Who is your second, Sir Raymond? He swallowed a sigh of relief. Sir John and Sir Damien are organizing the men-at-arms to aid you. Sir Harrowield is among the wounded. The English commander led him back to where his men waited and listened while he spoke with John and Damien. John tried to protest, and Raymond stopped him. Harrowield, John, and Estian and Goss and the others. I will be fine, better than fine, he smiled. After all, you'll be the ones laboring in the heat while I get to laze back and watch you work. Damien, as predictably silent as John was argumentative, only nodded and held out his hands for his bindings to be cut. The English leader went back to his post, and Raymond followed without prompting. He did his best to remain silent and out of the way while the English directed the clean-up and recovery. Trouble came only once, when the English set his men to stripping their own dead. Luckily, John was right there. He backhanded the worst of the protesters and started stripping the bodies himself. The English grunted and glanced at Raymond with a look of respect. Raymond gritted his teeth. Was that a test, Goodman? No, that was getting this mess cleaned up and home as quickly as possible. The warrior flashed a quick grin. If it gave me a chance to see the medal of your men, that was extra. What will become of our dead? If we can, we'll bring them home for burial. But we'll need most of the horses for the wounded. He shook his head. For that I am truly sorry, Sir Raymond. But we didn't bring horses, and not many of your own are fit to ride. Some of our dead may be left here as well. But Raymond had more horses. Enough, maybe, so that none of the dead would need to be left. He didn't give himself time for second thoughts. Damien! The English glared. What are you up to now, Norn? Before he could answer, Damien came trotting up, trailed by a pair of suspicious English warriors. Damien showed them the camp. He turned to the English. We have another score of horses. There should be enough. The English stared at him for a long moment, then set a handful of his men to follow Damien and bring back the horses, as well as anything else of value they found. Raymond didn't react to the last. He had expected it. But his men had to come first, not the money and supplies hidden in their camp. The English grabbed Raymond's arm and pulled off the ropes, binding him. "'Your wounded are there,' he jerked his chin. Get them ready to travel. I want to get your men and all the wounded back to the keep before noon. Your knight and my men can bring the dead after us. Thank you, Goodman. Miltrith trusted Raymond and focused on her own tasks, most of the time. She still found herself staring off to the east from time to time, even though east was just one of the walls of the keep. Finally, a messenger arrived. Wigmar had won and would return with prisoners as soon as he could. Sadly, the needs of tending wounded and prisoners had become routine. Still, Wigmar reported nearly fifty invaders in total, more prisoners than ever before, as well as more dead. She sent to the priest to tend the dead and bereaved, then gave orders to clear the old barracks to house the prisoners. There simply wasn't room for all of them in the keep's small dungeon. 
Next she reviewed, again, their medicines and bandages. They had enough for today. That would have to serve. She needed a way to end this. Soon. Wigmar returned several hours after his messenger. Mildred stared in shock when she saw the prisoners walked and rode unbound. Had Wigmar accepted their parole? Why? After the second Nornish peacock had broken parole, she had been sure Wigmar would never accept a Norn's word again. Mildred shook off her surprise. There was work to do, familiar and almost routine work. Wigmar would take the leader to her solar. Her mother would get the hail prisoners and those with minor wounds into the old barracks. They could tend each other. Miltrith set to organizing care of her own wounded and the badly wounded prisoners. They were not yet so stricken that they would ignore the ancestors' command to tend all enemy wounded as best one could. When Wigmar led the leader through the hall, Miltrith was threading a needle to sew up a man's arm. Behind her, her housekeeper was preparing to remove an arrow from a man's thigh. Dark take it, she needed to be dealing with the leader, but the wounded couldn't wait. She chuckled with dark humor. The conqueror had no idea how closely her wishes aligned with his. She dearly wished a husband she could share her duties with. A keep wasn't meant to be run by one person alone. Pushing the familiar thoughts aside, she pinched the man's flesh together, ignoring his muffled cry, and started stitching. Raymond schooled himself to patience and to wakefulness. Once they reached the berg, his armor had been taken and his wounds washed. Then he was escorted to this small chamber which looked like a lord's study and told to sit. He had been waiting ever since. After an early morning, a battle and its aftermath, all Raymond wanted was to be sure his surviving men were all right and to sleep. They had found Harrowield unconscious. The arrow had hit muscle, but from the blood in his hair his head must have hit a rock when he fell. Several of his men had broken legs from falls among the rocks. There were more arrow wounds. He kept awake by reviewing what he had seen and knew of the battle. In hindsight, crossing the rocks had been a fatal mistake. The English had been prepared to fight on the rocks as his own men had not. Lady Milthrith had to be on her last reserves, or she would not have sent wounded fighters. He would have done better to meet her warriors in the open, or even invite an ambush on his camp, where he could control the terrain. If his father ever heard. By the dark, if he ever saw his father again, there would be hell to pay. Of course, it was that if that truly frayed his nerves. He sat in a comfortable chair the only one in this room that seemed strong enough to take his weight. And he waited. It seemed hours later when the last wounds had been tended and Milthrith could finally go to her rooms. Exhaustion aided her, but she wasn't done for the day. Far from it. Wigmar was waiting outside the door, another sign of trust she would never have expected to see him give a Norn after some of their last visitors. She raised her eyebrows and Wigmar shrugged and nodded. Mildred pursed her lips and nodded back. So, the old armsmaster thought well of this one. That was... that was promising. Wigmar opened the door and bowed her into the public room of her suite, unusually formal in front of the stranger. Lady Mildred, he said, here is Raymond Swithin, son of William the Black. The stranger stood as the door opened and met her gaze boldly, bowing slightly as he was named. From the slight waver as he stood, he must be at least as tired as she was. 
He was pale in the Nornish way. Even his long hair and beard were pale, the color of straw left to dry in the sun. A cut across his temple had scabbed over, giving him a rakish look. The room was as she had left it, nothing missing, nothing moved even. Well, Wigmar was right. This one was different. So, Raymond Swithin. She did not return his bow. She thought she might fall over if she tried. Instead, she swept across the room and took a seat in front of the western windows. She could see him clearly, but her face was in shadow. I would ask what brings you here, but I suspect I already know. He nodded. For a landless younger son, the conqueror's edict against you is a chance of a lifetime, Lady Mildreth. I regret losing, but I can't regret trying. And his eyes swept over her, then returned to her face. The man who wins you should count himself very lucky. He shook his head. I haven't been that neatly trapped since I took my dubbing. Milthworth chose to ignore the flattery. And who will pay your ransom? No one, Lady Milthworth. My lord father will disown me when he learns I was captured by a woman, and no one else of my family has money for a ransom. Whatever you choose to do with me, lady, you will get no more than what I carry on me. The End Part 2 Bound by His Oath